Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I'm going to talk to Steve Tashin, who's a high-performance coach. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. It's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. And this is the first time I've, I think I've ever had like a sports superstar on my show. Um, I know you most, <laughs> mostly in the training arena, but that doesn't, I mean, look, the fact that uh, you helped prepare the youngest ever American team for the Men's World Cup in Qatar 2022, that's mind-blowing. A lot of my friends are going to be like, yo, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, Tell listen, me. We were, we were, yeah, we were proud of what we did, but you're overselling me a bit, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of want to break the, I want to rip the bandaid off with that. Like reflecting on your experience sure. with the youngest ever American team for the men's world cup. What were some of the key strategies that you employ to prepare them mentally and physically? I got to imagine this is like brutal. Yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, I think understanding expectations too, um, trying to, trying to create a message uh, filled with achievable expectations that are challenging, but not unrealistic at the same time, uh, you know, leaving the window of possibility open for that idea of anything can happen um, without making it so obvious that you create overconfidence. And I mean, it's such a delicate balance. I would say that uh, it, it really highlighted the skills and exceptional leadership of, you know, my head coach at the time, Greg Berhalter, um, who really is an incredible example of not just leadership in sport, but just organizational leadership in general. But I think the big part of it is, you know, if, I'm, if we're looking at from 200,000 feet is clarity in message, clarity and objective, starting with clarity of identity, you know, was was really important for a young group. And yeah. then just understanding that they're going to make mistakes and well, yeah, understanding that, what that looks like and how you deal with it. I mean, and yeah, it, it was. If incredible. I didn't know any better, it sounds like you're talking about a startup. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> you know, because I've it, said it a million times. There's no difference, Jason. Yeah, it, really it sounds no very similar. I mean, you got a team yeah. of really skilled people, and then on the other hand, for startups, a team of really skilled people, and. Um, and here we're talking about mastering the pressure of leadership. That's today's episode. And mm. uh, one of the things I want to ask you is whether it's the team in, in the World's Cup or something else, do you have a specific moment where you had a challenge that you were facing and you had to achieve a certain goal under like immense pressure? And if so, what was that and how did you navigate it? Because like, my, my, my listeners love to learn from people like you. Yeah, I think the World Cup is a great a great example. You know, whether you're dealing with the World Cup or you're an Olympic athlete and you're dealing with these cycles that are long, you know, you're waiting four, four years. years to compete yeah. in this one. Yeah. Um, the event becomes the pressure, right? The event becomes the goal. The And what I'd say is when I got to the World Cup, that was the least stressed I've ever been. When I got to the World Cup, it was the least anxiety I ever operated with. Now, it should be reversed. Right. It should be the other way around, but I'll tell you why it wasn't. It wasn't because we took the entire four-year cycle and we looked at it through the lens of every single opportunity we have to compete is an opportunity to learn something about how our process is going to work at the World Cup. Because you were and playing I'm, I'm games in some, between. You weren't just yeah, waiting. 100%. You were, and tournaments. And how, international how, tournaments. How, how many games and tournaments did you play in that four-year span, roughly? Yeah, I mean, I, let's see. Each each year, you're going to roughly play, uh, 
you know, COVID changed this quite a bit, but of course, you know, let's say you're going to play somewhere between 15 and 25 games. So you're right? talking so about a hundred games in four years, in you're, four you're, years, right? You're, you're, you're learning a hundred games worth of totally. valuable information. And you're also improving your skills. This is like a startup, right? A startup yeah. takes about four years to get off the ground and mm-hmm. you're doing a hundred pitches in front of investors and, e- <laughs> and each one of those pitches, you're learning something new. You're pivoting, totally. you're changing, you're acquiring new skills along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and refining are- process, Jason and refining process. That's why I was so stress-free. You know, we, we have a summer tournament in 2021 in the United States, unbelievable heat. We're going to use it as an opportunity to understand What's our heat mitigation and cooling strategies for when we're at the World Cup? We're at altitude in in 2020 because we're playing the Nations League in 2020 in, in Colorado. We're going to use an opportunity as how do we prepare for altitude? We're going to play Mexico right. City in Mexico City in World Cup qualifying. Everything was a test of process. Yeah. You succeed, you fail, you refine, you move on. We got to the World Cup and I knew my process. That sounds Our amazing. team knew our process and I en- I was able to enjoy, enjoy every yeah. second of that tournament Jason because as they we say knew the who fruit, we were the fruits of your labor right exactly right and we get to that point we know who we are we know how we work we know how we excel and succeed and so it's we're not here to change anything we're here to be us and that allowed for an incredibly enjoyable experience as it related to me personally and I know the rest of the team would agree yeah and and going back to the kind of the topic of leadership essentially mm. um there are you know, at least in my experience as a startup, you know, owner, there are like core characteristics that distinguishes a high performing employee or co-founder from everybody else on the team who's just kind of doing the daily, you know, Mm. work and not really excelling at what they do. How Mm. do you, you know, how do you distinguish that? And what do you believe are those characteristics that puts them in different, you know, wavelengths or, or different kind of tiers of quality? Yeah, I think, you know, high perform you call it people or organizations, first and foremost are incredible communicators, right? Um, they message things really well and they create alignment through clarity. You know, you're trying to get an organization, small or big, to operate in one direction with, with clarity. And then knowing that the second characteristic is agility, adaptability, you need to know that this group can steer and we can steer together because of our communication skills. That sounds like I a ship. Those are, that sounds like a ship now, right? Yeah. We, we, and however you want to, you know, connect it to the analogy, the reality is I like that, market shift, right? Things change and agility is essential nowadays. Just ask Nokia, you know, let's go from having a 60% share, you know, market share to 6%. And, and if you, you get to six because you, you don't have agility and you can't right. steer when the market tells you you have to change direction. Those are extremely important. Yeah, I think as the- it relates to the team, the, 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 the collaborative environment, so much so that allows the group to take advantage of the diversity of thought within the group. If you don't have diversity of thought within your group, and then on top of that, the environment that encourages that diversity to excel each individual's exceptional skill set should be able to help the team when it's needed. That that is a, a very open collaborative process. And then from the from the rest of it, I think is is you have a a very clear set of boundaries, values 
that allows a team to operate with their own creative stamp, but they know what behaviors and actions are acceptable and which ones are not. I think those are very, very important characteristics for a group to excel and and their core habits of, you know, high-performing teams. But I think it's, you know, that communication and clarity. I think it's the agility. I think it's the amount of diversity in the group. And I think it's the the freedom that the culture provides in understanding behaviors and actions to allow people to apply their exceptional skill sets to the group. So I'm I'm hearing a lot of your methodologies, right? Agility, adaptability, <laughs> diversity. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it, you're kind of answering a question I was going to ask, which is what mm. are some of the things that you attribute to high performance uh, leadership across different environments? But it sounds like you're already saying, them. are there anything, is there anything else that you can attribute? Like what, for example, yeah, you know, well, something, I, so, I mean, something that me, something that yeah. you personally did, right? Something that you personally did, you implemented a specific kind of mindset you know, philosophy, methodology, and and then you saw an organization kind of transform because of it. Because we can use that for startups, right? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it starts with my definition of what high performance is. High performance for me is the relentless execution of your process. Mm. That's high performance. It's not about an outcome. It's not about winning and losing. It's about defining your standard. It's about understanding that your process and the way you execute that process, the only thing uncompromising in the place is your commitment to your standard. And high performance is about the relentless execution of that standard as it's as it relates to your process. And I would say that's probably, you know, especially as it relates to some of the you know consulting situations I've been in in the last year and a half, I would say that those are some of the biggest mindset changes. And it's difficult within sport to say we're not going to focus on winning and losing. We're going to focus on process because everything is about winning and losing in the end. But the score that. takes care of itself, as Bill Walsh says. You know, if you right. if you can define the process and then say, okay, now ignore wins and losses because you can win and really, really perform poorly. And you right. can lose <laughs> and you can perform at an amazing level and you still lose. Right. So in the end, I, I always say that at the end, you know, once you, you never know where your weaknesses are in an organization until you're placed under stress. That's what complex, complex biological systems do. Mm. Complex, you know, they they operate with 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 uh, weaknesses hidden during times of success. You never really learn a whole lot about the weaknesses of your group until it's placed under stress. That's that's what biological systems do. Whether it's human skeletal systems or whether it's uh, you know, the uh, the healthcare system, you don't realize weaknesses until things are placed under stress. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that, you know, transformed an organization this last year and in working with them in the last six months of 2023 was clarify your identity. Like, who are you? What's your purpose? What mm. do we, if I walk into a building and I'm a part of this team, I need to know what the target is. And if it's constantly moving, how are you going to evaluate whether I'm doing well or not? Right. If well, we're that, not that, process that goes, oriented, how that, do you tell me I'm doing a good job if we're not process oriented? So, so that goes into like performance me- metrics. And I heard you say a lot about performing and, and you could do really poorly and still win and do really well. and still. <laughs> so how do you yeah. like, I'm actually curious about this. Um, how do you determine uh, what the indicate like what are the indicators that you look for? to gauge yeah. the success of your methods when you're coaching, like, or the, the other person's coaching or whatnot. How do you determine that? Cause that, that's kind of confusing to me because I'm not a, I'm not a huge sports guy, but I'd like to see how yeah. that kind of relates to startups again. I, I... So, yeah, I mean, I, I've always said that within, within your group, your team that you oversee, that you lead, 
titles don't matter. Titles okay. never matter in high-performing organizations. It's roles and responsibilities. That's all that matters. Because at any given time, based on your role, you're going to be required to lead. And we're all going to be required, who, regardless of who we are, to drop into a supporting role. And we need to support this moment where your specialty and your skill sets require you to lead and us support you. As soon as you have done a good job in the clarity, again, there's that word, the clarity of defining people's roles and responsibilities, you can start to talk about evaluating metrics that determine whether we're doing well or we're doing poorly. A lot of these things depend on the values of the group. If our value is agility, then my metrics that I'm watching and studying should be about how well do we change direction when it's necessary. If it's about uh, you know, curiosity, maybe one of our values is curiosity. Okay, how innovative are we how many times did we take risk, calculated risk? Because if we say that curiosity is going to be a value within our organization, then who in this group is responsible for keeping us innovative and being curious? Are you executing your role? If we do the same thing we've always done all the time and that's what we do, then we're not, doesn't sound very curious to me. Everything for me comes back to metrics being geared towards the values of our group and the roles and responsibilities of the members of the team. If you can create that clarity, it becomes so much easier to excel as an individual as a part of a high-performing team when it's not there. One, again, you really don't have the ability to evaluate your talent. You can't because you don't know what the you know the anchors are. Outside super, of that, you don't know when you're going to fail. You have no idea when this whole thing's going to collapse. Right? We got we to gotta wrap up, but before we do, um, it's super interesting. So I do want to ask one more question because you're talking, sure. you're talking about uh, different roles, right? That's yeah. a start. Again, you're talking about a startup here. So quickly tell 100%. me, um, as quickly as you can, how do you tailor your strategies to cater to those, the different roles, different personalities, skill levels? Cause that's tough, right? You got to like use different strategies for each different person. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the end, I think it's, it, it's really about, uh, you know, the reality that a, a group operates first and foremost by focusing on bringing in good people. You know, hmm. great practitioners is important. Great people is more important. And as it relates to that particular, you know, umbrella that covers your question, as you start to work your way down, um, you'll learn, you know, you brought people in because of their exceptional qualities. So the first thing is create roles and responsibilities that take advantage of their exceptional qualities. And that means even though maybe a need a need is right in front of you and you would have loved for this individual to fill that need. If it's, if they're only going to do it at a mediocre level, there's no right. point in making it a responsibility of that individual. That makes and perfect a, sense. A, yeah. And listen, it's, it's, I've faced it, it so many sense. times. I faced it, it so is. many times. And, a lot of, and that's why the evolution of the groups I've led have changed over time. You know, somebody comes to you and says, part of my growth, I want to take on more responsibility in this area. Well, I got to evaluate, is it going to help our group? Work. Is it going to make yeah. us better if that happens? And if the answer is yes, then you move them there. But maybe moving them in, maybe now it means a part of their role is is left unattended. I We need to shift and adapt, be flexible, steer, and move somebody into a role to execute at the same level they were doing it at. And all of it should be flowing in a way that keeps the, the results consistent, but continues to allow people to be in positions to allow their exceptional qualities to, you know, to to push the group. Fantastic, and Steve. Group. And where can people find out more about your, your service and your information? Yeah, great question. Uh, uh, my website, elevationprox.com. 
Uh, the company's name is The Elevation Project. So elevationprox.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have two LinkedIn uh, two LinkedIn accounts. One of them is my music and performing life. So if you see nice. me on a drum set, my profile picture, cool. you're you're on the wrong profile. <laughs> uh, the other one, the other one is is my consulting project. Uh, and then on on Instagram awesome. at s you can find me on Instagram, and uh, that's uh, th- those are probably the best places to figure out what kind of trouble I'm getting into. Awesome, Steve. Thanks again. And everyone, check out ElevationProX.com. And as always, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at JasonSherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.